From Relay FM, this is Analog, episode number 29. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash analog. Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and Chipolo, a small, colorful Bluetooth-enabled device that easily attaches you to your valuable items. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Casey Liss. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? I am very well, sir. I'm always the better for talking to you. Oh, that's adorable. Same here, my friend. Same here. Uh, what's been going on this week? Anything big? Yeah, we've got a got a, an interesting show this week. It's a bit action-packed. Um, I've got a few follow-up items that I want to address from last week's show. Uh, I think you have some things that you want to ask me, and then we've got a couple of interesting topics as well. We've got a big show today. I'm excited about it. Now, as a professional podcaster, so let me ask you something. Mm. Should we mm-hmm. should we kind of tease what's going on at the end of the show now to to kind of you know wet everyone's whistle and and you know get their tummies rumbling, if you will? Yes, please, let's do that. So uh, we should we should just tell you that the very last topic today is going to be kind of a follow up to a few episodes ago. I don't recall exactly what episode it was, but we did. It was the one around the Super Bowl. Yes. And we did a, it was a post-show discussion that we had. Is that correct? Yeah. About cheese. And so there's something cheese related that's, that we're going to cover at the end of the episode. So we will be, we will be engaging the cheese vertical. Is that the right terminology? Probably not, but we will be exploring. So proud of you. So proud of you. I thought you might be. We will be exploring the cheese vertical at the end of the show. So buckle up and get ready, everyone. It's not Manchego. Don't worry. <laughs> I actually really like Manchego, to be honest with you. But I've never had it. It's really good. It's very it's, dry. It's like but... on a pedestal for me now, though. Yeah, see. Well, it's, we'll talk about pedestals later, actually. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, with that in mind, let's now that we've done the professional podcaster's tease, um, let's talk about Inquisitive. So yep. by the time this episode is released, uh, the second episode of Inquisitive will have been out for nearly a week now. Um, but at the time we're recording, it's only been a day that the second episode has been out. And so I don't really necessarily want to ask you too much about episode two's reception, but I would like to ask you, how did episode one go? And, um, and well, let me start there. How did episode one go? What did you think? Um, the, the response overall has been insane, um, in numbers, uh, way, way, way larger than than I would have expected, uh, and, and what is clear to me now from looking at our numbers currently, even though we're two days in, is it was what I what usually happens with these things. You got you got a big bang, and you get a lot of people, and then a big portion uh, goes away. So we're cur- I'm I'm now waiting to see if we've met the goal. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. mentioned that I had a goal in mind to make this show viable. Uh, so I, now it's just basically playing a waiting game to see if the next few episodes get us to the point that that makes the the show a definite goer, you know? Right, right. So we're still waiting. I mean, I'm I'm really happy with it. I'm working on uh, episodes four, five, and six right now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm 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 enjoying the parts of the process more uh not enjoying parts of the process uh it's it's difficult it's 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 and we're gonna talk about this in a bit but it's just a hard process but i mean i'm i feel like i'm getting better i i personally think that episode two is better than episode one um and i think that three gets better than two etc etc and goes on from there but yeah i'm 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 still kind of uh uh, waiting with bated breath a little bit to see how this shakes out because it's such a big project and I've got so much invested in it. But um, I'm I'm very pleased so far because uh, people seem to be very very happy about it. I get lots of great compliments about it, so that feels really good. Yeah, I've listened to both episodes and I thought they were both excellent. I do think episode two was a little bit more polished and a little better than episode one. Not to say that episode one was bad by any stretch, but you can tell that you've learned. You know, you've learned between episode one and episode two. I'm sure episode three reflects further learning. Um, They were both really good. And, you know, I wanted to tell you and I wanted to save it for the show that I knew that that this was uh, that the new Inquisitive was something I really enjoyed. Because I think it was yesterday, the day before, it was yesterday, whatever, the day that episode two came out, or I guess it's strictly speaking episode 28, is that right? Yeah, but I'm kind of referring to it as episode two, it's very confusing. Right, so the day episode two came out, 
um, I was either listening to music or listening to another show and I finished whatever it was I was listening to, be it the song or that show or whatever. And I immediately jumped uh, inquisitive to the top of the queue. So that would be next. And I listened to it just about immediately. And I was really excited to listen to it. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, that's a show I, I know I enjoy more often than not. So let me put that next. It was, oh man, I can't wait to hear where this goes next. And um, that me, me having that jump the queue, that's not something I do often. And so that was a really nice, like subconscious indication that I really do love that show. And I really think you're doing a great job. And if, if one of our listeners has yet to listen to it, I strongly encourage you to give it a shot. Um, what I love about it is that I think you've done a great job of bridging the, um, kind of general, you don't assume too much general knowledge, which I think is a good thing. You know, a lot of us who listen to, say, Connected or the talk show or maybe ATP tend to be a little on the nerdier side. And I think it would have been easy for you to assume that the people who listen to Inquisitive probably are a little bit on the nerdier side as well. But you didn't do that. And you did what I think is the right thing. And you assumed very little common knowledge. And, and, and that may sound dismissive, but I mean that in a very complimentary way. And I think you've done, you've really balanced well how much to explain and how much you're just talking about what's going on. And uh, so it's really Thank great. You. It's really great. And if you're listening to this and haven't heard Inquisitive, stop what you're doing and listen to Inquisitive. <laughs> love you, Casey Liss. I, I love you too, Mike. Anyway, so, uh, so that was the first week. How was building episode two? You kind of alluded to that a little bit, but do you feel like that went, I know it was a few weeks ago now, but do you feel like that mm. went better or worse? Did you make any last minute changes based on the response from episode one? How did that go? So I am getting better at it as the weeks go on, for sure. It's, just, it's like practice makes perfect, and I'm finding my feet a little bit more in the production. Um also, I did make some changes to the the like a little bit of presentation stuff from episode two based on some feedback. Like, for example, um, I'm doing more of a job of uh, introing the sponsors um, mm -hmm. because the in episode one they kind of just start after music, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but this time I'm I'm actually sort of doing an intro more like what we have on this show where it's like coming up we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know and then like oh and then we're going to talk about this you know but hip first here's a word from our sponsor or whatever which which was valuable feedback that i got from a couple of people that i hadn't really considered that it kind of just jumps in out of nowhere otherwise right right um so i think that's pretty good um, and i'm thinking more uh i'm interviewing more people over the next couple of weeks trying to expand the pool a little bit so um I've got some some interesting. I'm speaking to some really interesting people. Uh, people that aren't as well known, uh, maybe by name, but you know their stories. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, so I'm, I'm like I'm enjoying doing that. Yeah, it's it's really great. And um, the other thing I wanted to to congratulate you on. I don't know if that's the right choice of words, but anyway, the the other thing that I thought was really good about the way you've done the end of the first couple episodes is by virtue of you. Um, working ahead you can tease what's coming up in the next episode and i thought you handled that really really well it was the right amount of like preview without giving away the whole thing like most common movie trailers do you know what i mean actually there's an interesting thing about that which is so i've i've done enough of these things now that i understand how how i'm going to work so mm -hmm. those clips they're never coming from episodes that i've completed when I'm when I interview people, uh, I just take some pen and paper notes, and if somebody says something that's really notable, I just write a little timestamp. So then, when it comes to creating the next episodes, like I know what sections of each recording are corresponding to each to which theme, right? Mm -hmm. So like episode, like so, let's say for example, uh, the questions for episode one are from minute one to minute fifteen. For each, per like, you know, for one person, let's like say Marco, and then episode two is 15 to 25. So I just look at what the notable um, points are for those themes and then just go in and grab something from them. Gotcha. No, I, I There's a lot. I, I would like to, I think, at some point, just more kind of like rigidly, like in a structural way, maybe I write something or record something specific that talks about what my process has been like for creating this. Because mm -hmm. I think it's kind of interesting. 
um, if you are interested in these things because it is just me and how was one person. Well, I mean, I have a little bit of help, but like for the majority of it, for, for being one person, how you go about doing something like this. But yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to share. But in any case, I just wanted to congratulate you on a good launch and uh, say again that if you happen to be listening to this show and don't listen to Inquisitive, whether or not you're a crazy super nerd, give it a shot. It's really good. So um, there was one thing that I wanted to clarify from last week that I think I kind of ruined and then when I was listening <laughs> back was like so embarrassed okay. by it. It was last week on this show, I was talking about journalism and, and crafting stories and I kind of made it sound like I... I basically I made it sound like the exact thing that I was trying to avoid which oh, was good. I was like twisting people's stories into twisting people's words into making a story that I like. Right, right. Um so let me try and clarify what I was trying to say. So I was saying that I think that this is more of a journalistic endeavor because unlike any other show that I do, I'm doing a lot of fact checking, I'm doing a lot of research, I'm doing a lot of interviews. So that's why I consider it to be more journalistic than anything else that I've done. Mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. part but then i also think there's an element of storytelling about it which is once i've once i'm starting to when i plan out the questions i have things that i want to find out from the way that i would always do it but then when i start hearing the answers from people it helps inform the scripts that i write um, and then from the answers that i get from people in the interviews it helps me then think about a story so when i'm doing the narration i'm putting my opinion in there and building the story and then using the clips that I think are best to enforce the story that has already been given to me from the interviews that I've already had. Sure. So I didn't come up with like the, the, the voice, the voiceover is all done after I've recorded the interviews because talking to the developers helped inform the story. Sure. Sure. Even in instances, and you hear this more in later episodes because currently there still isn't a lot of my opinion but when you, I think it will become more clear to you when there's a lot more of my own personal opinion in the episodes. But I will also play clips which go against my opinion to try and offer a balanced view. Mm-hmm. I, I I understood what you were driving at, but I can see what you're saying that maybe it uh, maybe it didn't come across 100 percent correctly. Yeah, no, it really didn't. Because when 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 I listened back to it, I didn't like it either. Because it definitely made it sound like I was twisting things, which was really what I was trying not to do. Right. Fair enough. All right. Any other uh, follow-up? Um, yes, actually. This is just random follow-up from a couple of weeks ago uh, from the music episode. Somebody sent this to me, and I saw it as well again on Slash Film today. Um, there is a, a Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys uh, biopic uh, being released this year in the summer. Um, and basically, it's, the, it's telling the life of Brian Wilson. Paul Dano, who is a, a great young actor... Uh, is playing the young Brian Wilson, and then John Cusack is playing the older mm-hmm. Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. I watched a trailer, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the trailer. I'm so excited about this movie. Good, good. So they do something that I don't like, though. Like you can tell when they're singing that they're using the original recordings, which I understand why you would do that, but uh, it looks like they're using the original recordings. Mm-hmm if that makes sense. And this sure. might just be the trailers not properly mixed yet, and I'm hoping that's the case. Because if I'd understand why they wouldn't want the cast to sing the songs because they have a, such a distinct sound. But if you're going to do that, the lip syncing has to be more believable. But I think it might just be a case of the audio is not properly mixed yet. But um, I, I, I'm really I'm really excited for this because I think they've, they've picked a couple of really, really interesting actors to play his life. Uh, and and I'm very very excited about it, and I will go see it as soon as it comes out. And I'm sorry, when did you say it's coming out? It's uh, in June. That's like the US release date. I don't know what the UK release date is, um, but it's kind of it's going to be a summer movie. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, not a happy summer movie though. Well, there is that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, uh, and that's it for follow up. That is it for follow up. All right, why don't you tell us about a friend of ours? This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends over at lynda.com. You can sign up for a trial, a free 10-day trial at lynda.com right now and go and learn something new. Lynda is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, 
photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training with software programs like Excel and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts, and for example, the courses that are taught on, say, Photoshop and other Adobe products are actually taught by people from Adobe. So they're able; these people are able to bring their incredible knowledge to the courses that they're teaching you. Whether you are wanting to learn some new stuff to maybe help yourself uh, earn more money at work, or maybe you have a new career path that you want to take, Lynda.com can really help you out. Maybe you've just got a hobby that you've always wanted to try out, but you lack some sort of knowledge that you need to get started. Maybe that is in something like setting up a new website, or maybe it's in something like making a podcast. You know, Lynda.com can help you learn some of the skills that you're going to need, even from a basic level, just so you can get yourself started. With Lynda.com, you'll get unlimited access to every single course that they make, including all of the new ones that they add. You'll be able to view these on your tablet and mobile devices with their apps for iOS and Android. And also, of course, you can watch them on your Mac or PC as well in their fantastic web player, which has great transcripts and great uh, that you can click to so you can find things that you like and you go to certain parts of the video just by clicking on the trans- transcripts. Um, I spoke before about some of the courses that that they have over at lynda.com that you can dig into. Like maybe you want to learn a bit about Swift. Maybe you want to learn a bit about development. Um, maybe you want to learn a little bit about design. They have some great design courses as well. Um, maybe just web design, HTML, CSS stuff. They have all of the different languages you could ever wish for. Uh, you name it, Lindsay.com have courses on it. You can even learn how to make your new website responsive if you're going to be doing it all by hand yourself. You can invest in yourself right now and sign up for a free 10-day trial to Lindsay.com by visiting lynda.com slash analog. Go ahead, I challenge you to learn something new. Thank you so much to Lindsay.com for their continued support of Analog and Relay FM. Excellent. Thank you, Linda. So you want to talk about some feels? Yes. Um... This is a very. I'm sorry. This is so mic centric at the moment. Ah, uh, that's fine. But th- these were a couple of relay your feels tweets, which were related to the kind of follow up from last week. But at um, divod on Twitter um, asked, when choosing to use an existing or active brand for your new show, so inquisitive, were you worried about how the old audience would react? Um, he goes on to say that he really enjoyed the one on one format that I had at Inquisitive, and wondered if it could have existed alongside. Um, or if it was best to have my new endeavor replace it. Before you answer that, I'd like to point out that Divad, or whatever this person's uh, name is, what a wonderful, not sarcastic, what a wonderful way to say something that could be construed as negative, but don't say it negatively. I rather like the old one-on-one format, and I wish it could exist alongside your new endeavor instead of being replaced by it. General internet speak, the way you would accomplish that is, this sucks and you shouldn't have replaced the one-on-one thing. I'm not trying to be fun. Like this is this is the way you are respectful to someone that you don't know on the internet. And I and I would like to spend a moment to congratulate this individual for not being a jerk. So with that yeah, said, I did like this. I did like this because a message like that could inadvertently make you feel bad. Right, it makes you think that the person doesn't like it. But I don't think that's what he's no. saying. I think he's just like he likes the new show, but also misses the old show. Exactly. Um, I think for me, uh, I had this idea, and it kind of felt like it fit with the name and the idea of Inquisitive. Because plus also, I've been looking for a way to evolve the show again, um, like to to evolve the format. Because the format that I was with before had evolved from previous shows that I did as well. Like my Wednesday show um, has evolved over the last five years. Um, and this kind of fit quite well. I mean, as well, like we, we're still not sure. I mean, I really want it to be, and I think it will be, but we're still not sure if it will we'll go beyond behind the app. Um, I have many ideas and things that I would like to do, but we need to make sure that it makes sense for us to continue putting the amount of time and effort into creating it, um, which is kind of you know why I am maybe more actually you know way more than usual hung up on the numbers. I usually don't get too concerned about them, but this is one that I am uh, more concerned about, and that's because it, it's, it's kind of like a. I was talking to a friend about this earlier, and and they asked me like why why do you worry about the numbers like is it is it for the audience size or is it for your ego? And I don't think they were being bad, but it was a really interesting question. I actually think it's a combination of a few things. It is part of my ego because I'm working so hard on this. I want to be recognized for it by as a large audience as possible. I want people to love it, right? Um, I also, the audience size also has to be there for the show to remain profitable. 
because of the amount of my time that it takes up that I could put I mean I could record like two or three new shows in the in the current format for the amount of time it's taken me to do this one so we could make more money mm-hmm. if the show hasn't got a large enough audience does that make sense absolutely yeah um so it has to be cost effective that's one thing uh and then the other it's just like you know for me to feel like it's just mentally a good justification of my time but anyway so that that was one thing so we're not sure if it will if it will continue past that um but but that yeah there was just a couple of different reasons really i suppose and it just felt right to me to to change it um i've been doing the one-on-one interview for so long i kind of felt like i needed a i needed a change and i really didn't want to maintain that alongside uh another new show that makes sense to me but um I liked uh, the the old Inquisitive, and and I am a little sad to see it go. But I, I love the new Inquisitive, so I'm I'm not mourning the uh, I was going to say death, but the transformation of old into new. I think even if um, even if or hopefully if we continue to go on like with a, a a new season, a new theme, and people have asked this as well, like if we do another season, it's not going to be about apps or app development or even iPhones. It will be about something else. Mm-hmm. I have other topics in mind and I kind of want to have something that is loosely technology related, but the next one not being so tech heavy. Sure. Um, I would still do uh, one-on-one interviews if a good, really good reason came up. So like if something happened and I wanted to talk to somebody about something really, really interesting, I would, I would still do it. Um, and we would have it as like a special episode mm-hmm. that would sit in between the, the, the story format. Mm-hmm. But the, it's just because, you know, it gets to a certain point where you're like, you're you're really kind of trying to find things to talk to people about. Right, um, right. And it gets to a point you kind of run out and you need to, and I feel like I need to take a break from that anyway. So yeah, that's that. That's the reason that I wanted to do that. Um, Brian Hamilton uh, once wondered how uh, it's behind the app has changed this, how I spend my time each week. And do I think it's sustainable? Uh, the answer is no. It's not sustainable uh, in in its exact current form. So, if if we continue, to, if we do a second season, then there will be some changes made. And I mentioned like getting help, and that's something, that's what something we'd need to do, which is one of the other key reasons that the show needs to make the money that we need it to make. Basically, then I'll be getting help in uh, to help balance it out. But right now so much of my time is going into creating these episodes uh and i think i'm on schedule to be able to keep the two episode buffer i want to keep um i mean i've only got one in between now but i've got two scripts written and i've got clips cut up for two so i just need to assemble them so i reckon i could have another two done by the very early next week if i apply myself do you bounce between episodes or do you complete one entire episode? I mean, obviously you have little things you might think of after the fact, but in general, do you complete one entire episode and then move on to the next? Or are you like bouncing between two or three different episodes all the time? So what's happening is um, the idea is I complete them chronologically, but with episodes two and three and four and five, they were supposed to be one episode each. Oh, wow. But as but the scripts become so large that I split them into two. So it's just like Hollywood then. It's just like Hollywood, yeah. <laughs> but the great thing is, if 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 we continue to do it this way, it means we can get a lot more mileage out of it, which which I'm happy about because right. it means we can run the season for longer. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had originally thought we'd have maybe ten episodes, but if we continue running the way we are, I think we could get at least fifteen. That's a lot. That would be really great. That's quite a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of things to cover. Um, like, I've only I've only done about half of the interviews, um, so I need, I need to start doing those as well again. Oh, well, uh, just let me know when you need me to be available. Yep, yep. <laughs> Actually, uh, there is an episode that you would be perfect for. Oh, really? Uh, but it's up to you if you want to be involved in it. Uh, I don't like any of your work, so no, I'd rather not. Okay, great. <laughs> Well, I don't know. So, okay, so I have an idea of. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do this one yet, but and and please forgive the very brash uh, and rough title, which is like failures. Um, not that you're a failure, but you had an app that you pulled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there are other people that have done a similar kind of thing, so I'm I'm interested in because you know I'm. I'm obviously going to have an, I'm, you know, regardless, we're going to have an episode of people's successes, but there is a flip side 
mm-hmm. that I would like to 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 look at, which is people that something catastrophic happened or they changed their mind or you know and as well like with a lot of people's failure stories there'll be a success story as well so you know and trying to understand that like even even someone like marco not everything that he's done hasn't been a success on the app store so it might be interesting to talk about that sort of stuff with people i think I agree. but i've not decided if we're going to do that episode yet i mean it seems like it's part of the story so it makes sense but that's easy it for does. me to say it does, but I think it's uh, it will be a harder one to maybe get people to take part in. Yeah, you'd be but surprised. I I think I could find people, Gen- But but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to commit to it yet, but I think that that might be an episode later on in the series. I mean, look at underscore David Smith. I mean, he has eleven thousand apps that have been in the store at some point or another. So, um, I think in fact part of the part of the smart approach that he's taken to the app store is by throwing a million things against the wall to see what actually sticks. So. Yeah, that's that's what's so fascinating about Underscore's story. Like, there are so many... I think of, of everybody that I've interviewed for this, even though I've spoken to him, like, I've maybe interviewed him, like, three times on other shows, mm-hmm. I'm, I find myself being more and more surprised by the things that he says. Yep. As opposed to other people, like the fact that he didn't have an iPhone or the fact that he has 160 apps in the store at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, it's a machine. He, he takes a very different approach to being an independent app developer than almost anyone I can think of, and that's not a bad yeah. thing. That's not a bad thing at all. In fact, it's a good thing because he's successful and he's been doing it for years. But it's not the say Marco approach of you know I will do one thing and that is it, and that will be my thing. That's not the way underscore works. No, I I I think if I was him. If, so if I was a developer, I would probably take his model. So it's kind of what I've done with podcasts. I've I've had loads and loads and loads, like so many that people here have never heard, you know, mm-hmm. until I mm-hmm. find the ones that really really work. But anyway, so um, then the last the last kind of uh, question comes from uh, Bahij Yamut. Yamut, I I know that I've ruined that once before and just <laughs> ruined it again. Um, the line between humbleness and self devaluation is very thin. A lot of times you're too hard on yourself. I see this a lot since getting into podcasts. Some of the best work is waved off and devalued by its owners when mentioned. Is it a geek thing that we avoid showing our success? Uh, but he did think it was awesome last week when I said that I was enjoying the praise. Yeah, it's a really interesting question and something that I know I've struggled with for a long time on and off. Um, This reminds me of the quote, which I think we've talked about on this show, um, a quote from this artist, Kevin Gilbert, that I really, really like, where he had said when introducing members of his band during a live show, he said, I think it was about his guitarist, uh, he walks the positive side of the fine line separating arrogance and awareness of self-worth, which I just think is the funniest line in the world. But it makes an interesting point which is somewhat relevant, which is it's it's a fine line between thinking you're good at what you do and being a jerk about it. And I think similarly, it's a kind of fine line between being self-deprecating to a fault and being adorably self-deprecating. And I know that I am extremely self-deprecating and I think there's a lot of reasons behind it. Um, one of them is if I say the thing that everyone is thinking, then they won't be able to make fun of me for it because I've already acknowledged it. For example, you know, I'm that other guy on ATP. Am I really that other guy or am I just one of the three? But I I still, to some degree, feel like that other guy that nobody knows who the hell is Casey. Um, And so by... For me, I think it's kind of a defense mechanism by acknowledging some of my flaws and foibles. Um, I think it makes it a little easier on me. And and it it shows that I'm willing to laugh at myself, which I also think is an important quality in a person, uh, being willing to have a chuckle at your own expense. But um, I think I need to be better about it. I think I need to be more confident. I think I need to be more assertive. Um, but it's hard because I think it's, it's easy to swing completely, swing the pendulum completely in the opposite direction, turn into a cocky jerk. So I don't know. Or do you, I don't think you're terribly self-deprecating Mike. How do you, well, how would you describe yourself? Um, I don't know. I think I can be self-deprecating, but I don't think I am as much as you, but I do think that I tend to be more humble. Um, not then you, but just in general. Well, it's not about... a competition. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, 
that it uh, just it, that just wasn't the point I was making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the point was just like I tend to be more humble than. What is the opposite of humble? Arrogant, maybe being a braggart. I don't know. Yeah, bragging. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I, and it's, cause it's interesting because that seems to be a general kind of rule of thumb, uh, in kind of this this world in which we populate on the internet. That it's like people are very uh very quick to and very uh, often promote the things that they do, but don't say how they feel about them. Yeah. So like you say, I did this thing today, or I've done this thing today, or here's this new thing that I've worked on. But it's rare that you'll say, this is why I think it's awesome, and this is why I think it's good, and this is how awesome I think it is. Because I think it's, I think it's seen, and, and I do see it, in, in, I, I do feel this way, that it could be quite uncouth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to say why you think it's so awesome, like let people make it up for themselves. However, I have been, uh, and I, because I am so proud of um, Inquisitive, and I do want people to believe it's good, I have been giving my opinion about it a bit more. <laughs> I hear you. Right. And it is good. So there you go. And, you know, I, I feel very similarly. Like, um, one of the things which I don't know if we've talked about on the air, but certainly you and I have talked about in the past, is I find it uncouth people who retweet compliments constantly. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I hate it. I really dislike it. I think I would even go so far as to say I hate it. Every once in a while, you know, hey, you know, maybe you've done something you're very proud of. Like, I don't know, perhaps you've rebooted Inquisitive, just hypothetically. And, you know, somebody that, that you respect has said, oh, it's pretty good. And you retweet that. And that's the first time you've done that in months. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. But I, I know that both of us follow a lot of people that, like, incessantly retweet praise. And I just find that very distasteful, and I don't care That's for it. That's the quickest way for me to disable retweets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, disabling retweets is one of my favorite things on Twitter. Well, I don't want to mute people, because it's not necessarily... Like, they're doing this annoying thing in retweeting things that annoy me, or that I think that there's no point in it. So I don't... like. I still like to see what they say. So muting doesn't really work, but you can, you can, I don't know if people know you can do this, but you can, uh, in most apps, uh, enable this, like in, in TweetBot, you can do it. You can just like uh, expand the panel, hit the gear, and you can just click disable retweets on someone. Mm-hmm. So you just never see what they retweet. Right, right. Um, so that, you know, that, that, that works for me because then I don't have to see that. And it doesn't get me annoyed at the person. Yep. Because it's just something that I don't like. And I think that this is the what exactly what I was talking about with what's considered to be uncouth. Mm-hmm. Like it's just my personal opinion is I don't it annoys me to see and, and it's I know why people do it. It's exactly the same reason why we self promote. And in 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 theory, somebody's compliment is better self promotion than you doing it yourself. It's more believable. Sure, but still, it's kind of like I'm already following you. I know if I like it, seeing some person that I've never met before or don't know say that they like it doesn't make me think that way. You know, that that's kind of like the, the duality of it. It's kind of like, you don't need to prove this to me. Like, I'm already here. Mm-hmm. I'm already mm-hmm. following you. You don't continue need to prove to me why the thing that you do is great. But I'm not condemning people that, well, I am kind of condemning people, <laughs> that, but I, I don't mean to be mean. Uh, but it's just something that frustrates me, as it does frustrate you too. Yeah, and the thing, the other thing that bothers me about it is, let's say you spend some time saying, hey, I'm really proud of this thing I just did. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go check that thing out, even if it's not something I think I'll be interested in. Because if you're saying it, it's got to be special, because you never say that. Similarly, let's let's look at me, for example. When we recorded Analog 5 with Steven, I was and remain incredibly proud of that episode, extremely mm-hmm. proud of that episode, and I blogged about it. And off the top of my head, and I might not be right, but off the top of my head, the only other singular episodes that I remember blogging about from either ATP or Analog was I mentioned that we hit episode 100 on ATP a few weeks ago. And I think thought that was it now maybe i'm wrong but my the point i'm driving at is it's not a lot and i think when you don't cash in that that if you don't cash in you know self-praise for lack of a better way of describing it um the the rare times that you do it means that much more yeah no i buy that 
I bought it. I think that's that's how I feel about it, about myself and other people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, great Relay Your Feels this week. Don't forget you can always uh, tweet at us with the hashtag Relay Your Feels, and uh, we, we love to pick things like that out for the show. Do have a couple of topics, but before we do that, shall we uh, just take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week? That would be stupendous. This week's episode is brought to you by Chipolo. Have you ever lost your phone or keys and spent hours looking for them? Most of us have, but with new Bluetooth item finder technology, those days are over. And one of the leaders of these types of items is Chipolo. Now, let me explain what that is. Chipolo is kind of this thing that you can clip to your keys, and then you can use an app on your phone to find out where it is, right? So, But they also, that you can stick them to stuff. So it's, it's this really cool little disc. It comes in nine colors, nine fun colors. Uh, it has some really cool and unique features. It has a shake and find feature as well, which is kind of cool. So you can just shake your Chipolo and your phone starts ringing to make finding it a breeze. So you can do it on the other way around, right? That's so rather cool. than just so, so you could have your keys but can't find your phone. So you can kind of, you can, uh, I like that because most of these types of things, it just helps you find things in one direction, but Chipolo right. is both yep. directions. It has its own network that allows you to share it with others as well. So you can track the same item. So if you're both looking for the same item. It's really cool. I think these sorts of things are the types of things that can improve your life in interesting ways. Um, it's Chipolo was expertly designed. It's loud enough that you can actually hear it. And with replaceable batteries, unlike other Bluetooth item finder, uh, if the battery dies, you just replace it. You don't need to throw it away or you don't need to plug it in and charge it up. It's a really neat little device. Um, it's like these... You, this, it's about the size of a keyring, or they're they're brightly coloured enough that if you stick them to something like a laptop, they kind of look cool in their own little way. Um, it's it's pretty fun. I think you should go check it out. Um, you can get your own at chipolo.net. That's c h i p o l o dot net. Thank you so much to Chipolo for sponsoring this week's episode of Analog. That's awesome. Now I I've seen and used similar devices, but they are unidirectional, like you had said. And um, to have something that can go either direction, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So to continue the Mike Hurley hour, uh. <laughs> uh, you actually had a very big week this week because just, what was it, day before yesterday, uh, you made an appearance at an Apple store again. No, it was, ye- it was yesterday. That's what I said. Just yesterday, you made an appearance at an Apple store again. So tell me, how did that go? So the last time uh, that I did this, I was interviewing uh, the developers of Monument Valley, mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of the moderator uh, but this time I got asked to go to the Covent Garden Apple Store uh, and basically talk about being an independent podcaster. Um, and originally it was going to just be an event, you know, kind of you were there, you got to see it. But the event sold out pretty quickly, which was um, which was awesome. And I think it was faster than, than was expected by the people at the at the Apple Store. Um, so they've they have actually recorded it, and maybe by the time this episode's out, that the actual recording will be out in the world. It's just an audio recording um, of my talk, uh, and it was it was. Do you know what? I was really proud of it. I think it went really well. Um, uh, I I don't I I prepared for it. Uh, not extensively, but enough. Like I had, I had made some slides and I had some points that I wanted to hit on the slides, but I didn't really go through too much practice for it because I wanted it to be kind of relaxed. Mm-hmm. And also as well, like if there's one thing that I know how to talk about, it's like my job. <laughs> uh, so I felt like I could do a pretty good job of, of talking about it. Um, and I was meant to kind of have as was direction, it was going to be there for like 45 minutes, they said, and like half an hour of talk and then like maybe 15 minutes of questions. Uh, I got to my last slide and looked at the timer and I was uh, I got it done it in 15 minutes. I was like, oh no. Oh, so like, And the last slide or two, uh, I kind of just started reiterating some things and just stretching it out a little bit. Um, but then there was like 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of excellent questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience was so awesome and they had some great questions. There was somebody wearing an ATP t-shirt. Oh, yeah? In the crowd. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Were, but they, it was outnumbered by Relay t-shirts, just point, pointing that out. Mm-hmm. But of course, yeah. Humble break. You, well, you can accept that because it's still you, kind of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a guy wearing an ATP t-shirt. Um, it was, he had some great questions as well. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of, uh, I think the, this is definitely the first thing that I've done public speaking wise, 
which is about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, about the things that I'm really interested in. And we maybe talk about this in a bit, but I, I did some stuff in my old job. Uh, but this is like in front of like, com- I get not complete strangers because it's not the case, but not people that you work with or people that are in your company or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and I was I was I was proud of it. I was very pleased with it. Actually, I think it went really well, and it was good because this was one of that was one of my goals for this year was to do public speaking a little bit more. Um, and I felt like this was kind of a really great way to break the seal on it. Um, it's very different being in front of people than doing what we do here, because uh, you can see them. <laughs> and it makes it a very, very different experience. And I kind of, the way that I do with that is I just crack a lot more jokes and, and I kind of, I I get a buzz from like hearing people laugh and, mm-hmm. and playing the fool. And I always did this uh, in like team meetings and stuff like that. Like if there was ever like a big group of people around and I was talking, I would just make stupid jokes all the time. And it used to drive people crazy. Basically, either drove you crazy or you loved it. And luckily, I think I've said this before, but my old boss loved it. She thought it was. She thought I was hilarious in those environments, so it worked well for me. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I always kind of deal with those situations. Just because I like the the kind of I, I like to make stupid jokes, and I like it when people are laughing along with me. So I was doing a lot of that, and uh, it yeah, I think the talk was good the questions were definitely the best bit because i the people had really great questions about podcasting and about kind of relay and and just how all that sort of stuff's going and it was fun to to answer them in that environment and i think people will enjoy if they if they are at all interested in the stuff that we do which if you're listening to this show right now i guess you kind of have to be inherently uh that i think people will get a kick out of the audio and i'm really pleased that i did record it actually um Plus, you know, I'm, 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 it's going to be pretty cool date to 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 have my little face up on the iTunes store. They took me in the, to the back to have a picture taken, and I was just kind of like peering in the corner of my eyes to see if I could see anything secret. Because <laughs> this Apple store is, um, it has a lot of offices, so a lot of London's offices are based from there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the big. I think it's the biggest Apple store in Europe, Covent Garden. Okay, it's it's bigger than the Regent Street store, which is kind of seen to be the flag street store if you've seen if you know if you've ever seen a picture of a london apple store that's the one you'd probably remember but the covent garden store is is massive it's absolutely huge Uh, but they don't do a lot of recording there because they don't have one of like the little amphitheaters that they do in the reading street store they kind of just repurpose one of the like demo areas Mm -hmm. but it was fun it was really fun and and i enjoyed it a lot you've done Speaking engagements and stuff, haven't you? Uh, engagement is a strong word, but yes, I have. Uh, well, you've given talks at conferences. Yeah, I've done it um, a couple times. I did it years ago at a um, .NET conference, so a uh, like a kind of the Microsoft equivalent of uh, CocoConf, I guess you could say. And then last year, I also um, did the opening keynote at CocoConf DC. CocoConf, if you don't know, is a uh, traveling. A conference about writing code for Apple devices, uh, put on by a singular family, family, the Klein family, and it's really, it's really get nice, really well done. Um, I'm actually going to be doing that again, uh, not next month, but in April, in very early oh, April. Oh, fancy! Yeah, look at me go. Um, so, if you'd like to meet me in person and live, or can easily travel to Washington D.C., that'd be an excellent place to do it. Um, and I believe tickets are still on sale right now. So there you go. Look at that plug. But, um, but yeah, I did it last year. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it went extraordinarily well because, Hey, look at me bringing this all back around in full circle. I was way too self-deprecating during the talk. Um, part of the talks shtick was to be a little bit self-deprecating, but I think I cranked that up to well past 10 past 11 to like 15 which was unfortunate um but i did enjoy it i do i do enjoy public speaking i don't really know why maybe it's because i feel like everyone kind of has to pay attention to me which is kind of fun um when i was in college i was a tour guide um at virginia tech where i went to school and i loved giving tours and my tours were I think the kind of tours that you would give Mike insofar as I made a lot of really really stupid jokes which the parents loved and the kids kind of rolled their eyes at but they also were kind of chuckling under their breath um and so I still to this day kind of miss giving tours or of campus because it was so much fun 
Um, and I've never really been that nervous about talking in front of people like the, the, the gene, if you will, that most people get where they freak out about talking in front of a bunch of people. I never have really had that. And I've, I, I can't say I've ever given a huge public talk. Um, you know, ATP download numbers are pretty big, but, um, uh, humble so it's brag, not the same, but it's not the same. Um, but I did give a talk during an open house at, at tech and that w- filled our, um, our theater in, in the main building in on campus. And that was a few thousand people. So that was pretty big. Uh, and I don't really get nervous be- about it. And I think the reason I don't is because I have accepted over the years that no matter how unbelievably awesome my speech is, no matter if it's the singular best speech that have, has ever been spoken in the history of public speaking, there's going to be someone in that audience who thinks I'm a moron. It's just going to happen no matter what. And if you embrace that, or if I embrace that, it makes it a lot easier. Now, to be fair, I usually do freak out for like the 30 seconds before I know my name is about to be called. But yeah. um, but once I'm talking, I'm usually not too bad. Would you say you're also that way or is it hard for you? It, the nerves are only, I only feel bad leading up to it. Um, and then I tend to also feel bad afterwards as I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back and realizing how nervous I was yeah, because I feel yeah. ill. Um, mm-hmm. which is really weird. It's like, I don't really feel it until afterwards. And I realized how nervous I was. That was how I was yesterday. Yep. Um, like it was weird. Like I didn't really sleep very well last night and I felt like, uh, my stomach felt upset, but I didn't feel like that the night before. Um, right. but, uh, I've, I've, when I used to give talks for work and they would be in front of like hundreds of people, um, I used to get really, really nervous and I used to shake and stuff. But now, I, having done that kind of stuff over a couple of years, you know, like giving presentations, but sometimes they would be at like road shows and stuff. Because um, you know, there was a time where I was a go-getter and quite good at my job. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I used to do, to do these types of things. Um, but now it's like when I'm actually there, uh, I tend to really enjoy the time uh and and it was it was a lot of fun it was great because there were so many uh people there yesterday that that were listeners and and i got to meet a few people and got to have some chats afterwards and stuff which i i loved that i love that stuff because when when do you get to feel like even the most minor of celebrity like when does that ever happen in your life uh and people wanting to come and take pictures of you with you is is great it's a lot of fun Oh, yeah, I know. I don't know how to not sound like a jerk when when I say this, but like when I did the um, guest spot at on the talk show at WWDC, so uh, John Gruber recorded a live episode of the talk show at WWDC, and and he was kind enough to invite Marco and John and I on. And afterwards, I went down into the audience to uh, meet up. I think with Faith actually, and I was kind of accosted, and people wanted pictures with me, which is like what. I'm me. I'm just me. Why? But it was awesome at the same time. Like I was, it was the most flattering, amazing thing in the world. So, and just like you said, it's, um, it, how do you, when, when do you have that appear, you know, that happen to you ever? It's, it's really wild. And it's, and we're, we're both very lucky to have had, have, have to have had that experience ever. Do you have anything more that you want to say on the public speaking stuff? I think I'm good. Okay. Let's take a final break and then we'll get onto the thing that everyone, especially you, is waiting for. I'm so excited. This episode has also been brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store for a free trial and 10% off. Visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code FEELS at checkout. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a home online I have found in my many years that Squarespace is the place for me and I definitely think it will be the place for you too. It, they just take away all of the stuff that you don't want to have to deal with. Like, There's so many things that I don't know how to do when it comes to building and maintaining a website, but there's way more things I don't want to ever have to deal with or learn. Like, I could find out some stuff and I know some bits, but the, all the other stuff, like the things that will happen in six months' time that I didn't know how to deal with, and I just don't want to learn any of that. I don't want to have to bother with any of that. Especially when, like, you know, the, the sorts of projects that I've put 
onto the like onto Squarespace have been either stuff that I really don't want there to be a problem with because they're really important to me, or things that are like I need to have a website like MikeHurley.net. I've barely put anything on there, but I kind of need to have that existing. So I don't want to have to have any hassle with it. I just want it to work. And it's the same with like our relay blog and our relay store. They're important to us. And we need them to just be up. We don't want to have to pour loads of effort into it. So that's why we host those over on Squarespace. Because they're so flexible. The templates are so fantastic. And they build in so much awesome stuff. It's like, it'd be crazy not to. Like, we wanted to have a store. Why would we not have it with a place where it has great responsive design, beautiful templates. It has all of the integrations that we need like to get with shipping companies and stuff like that. All payment processing is all built in. Inventory management, simple emails all sent out for us. Like It's just so fantastic. I, I love the Squarespace platform and I've loved them for such a long time. They've added great stuff over the years like they have getty images support ten dollars an image it will cost you their cover pages where you can set up single page websites or like uh intro pages and stuff like that or they have like you can get domain names with them you can get one for free if you sign up for an annual plan they have google app support and they can help you get all that set up and don't forget they have fantastic 24 7 support with live chat and email they have teams located in new york dublin and portland who are there to help you I love Squarespace. I have for years. If you have a project that you want to get started or something that you just want to take all of the hassle away and just have it all taken care of you by a software platform and a company that know what they're doing, go and sign up for your free trial right now with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, because I'm sure that you will, make sure that you use the offer code FEELS, that's F-E-E-L-S, to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for analog. Thank you so much to Squarespace for continuing to be a great supporter of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So on the first day of this month, we released episode 25 of this uh, analog program on your Relay FM network. And at the very end of that episode, you and I got to talking about cheese. And you were very confused about American cheese and seriously confused about a particular kind of cheese called Velveeta. And I had pitched to you that Velveeta shells and cheese, which is basically just a mac and cheese, is one of my favorite things in the entire world. And that's how we left the episode. Would you like to take over with our story from here? Maybe a week or so later, a box arrived at my home, um, and I opened the box to find a container, a box, a carton, however you would call it, of Velveeta shells and cheese. <laughs> and I was like looking at it and I was like, where did this come from? And so, it was like, my original thought was somebody's listened to the show because it came from, <laughs> it came from a store uh, in the UK that sells American food that I've actually been to. And it's in an area in Notting Hill. Um, it's in and around that area in Notting Hill. Um, and the reason that they have that here, because there, I mean, there are lots of um, American food stores that sell like American sweets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, called the USA Food Store in Ladbrook Grove, which is in the Notting Hill area. There are lots of these sort of places. There's like places, called, I think there's one called Cyber Candy, which is a chain, one called Sweets from Heaven. And they sell American sweets because kind of some American sweets, things like that don't exist in this country <laughs> for probably varying medical reasons. I don't know. Uh -huh. uh, but but they just don't exist. But this place, um, this area is a very, very wealthy area in London. So this store exists it's, it's a very nice store when you go in and they even have things like magazines and newspapers this store exists to cater for the expats mm -hmm. so it's for american expats in london this store exists for them because they had like even like cleaning products and stuff like that oh, it weird. was like a it was like a very small supermarket uh -huh. you know uh-huh like a convenience store, basically, but it was all American stuff. Very interesting. Because they also sold just like stuff like Velveeta, like meals, like things that you'd use to make meals with, and even like condiments and all kinds of stuff. Very interesting place. Because usually you see like cereals and sweets. Sure, sure. In those places. Because, you know, we're all on our lucky charms. Because <laughs> they used to see, this is a kicker for someone, people of my age. They used to do lucky charms. Lucky charms was a cereal and it got taken away. Like it was stopped 
being sold in this country. Mm-hmm. And then even more recently, like even supermarkets have started importing it for like five pounds a box. Very confusing. It's all, it's all a racket. But anyway, so this box arrived and it took me a minute. And then I think I sent a picture of, to you and said, did you do this? And you did. How <laughs> did you find this store? So... It's actually not as remarkable a story as you've as you've uh, built it up to be. What I did was I went to Amazon.co.uk and I searched for Velveeta. And apparently this, um, whatever you just said the name of the store was, um, that store sells via Amazon, the American food store. And, yeah, that makes sense. And so I placed an order. And actually, this is the first time I had placed an order on a foreign Amazon and it was very cool because I don't know if the exchange rate was in my favor or not, but they actually let me pay for the order in U.S. dollars, even though it was an order made in pounds. And so that was kind of cool because I didn't have to charge pounds to my credit card, which not only does the exchange rate you know hurt me, but then I also have, I think, a foreign, trans- foreign transaction fee as well. So anyway, so I was able to find a box. A box was apparently four pounds, or is today anyway, four pounds and 50 cents. And I don't even know what that is in dollars, but it's like six or seven dollars, which is probably four or five dollars more than it is here in America. But all told, I think after shipping the whole rigmarole, I want to say it was like 10 or 11 dollars or something like that. And it is absolutely worth 10 or 11 dollars to me for you to have tried Velveeta shells and cheese so i meant to this came like a couple of weeks ago and and i've been doing a terrible job and haven't and haven't yet consumed it but it was even in my um it was even in my only focus <laughs> to do this today oh that's fantastic that that's amazing and i actually should back up just slightly one of the most delightful things about using Amazon.co.uk is seeing all the different... If you do that again, I'll kill you. <laughs> is seeing all the different terminology that they use. Like it's a basket, not a cart. And it's dispatching, not shipping. And I'm trying to think of other oh. examples. But it's it's really weird. I didn't realize that before. I didn't realize that before. But yeah, we do call them baskets. Yeah, and, and to see all those very little nuanced differences was, was really wild and really enjoyable. So anyway, so I'm sorry. So you were in all, it, it, the, cons, the consumption of Velveeta is in OmniFocus, and it has happened at this point. Is that correct? For lunch today. Excellent. How was it? How was preparing it? Preparing it was kind of weird um, <laughs> because I felt like I had to do exactly as I was told or otherwise I was going to ruin it. <laughs> So like usually when I make pasta, I just put water into a bowl, yeah, like into a like a, a saucepan and just like you know just do do whatever I need to do, right, right. Uh, but it said like put six cups of water in, so I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and then I let the water boil, and then it was very weird to me that it was a cardboard box with just pasta in it. Like that was <laughs> so weird. Like there was no plastic or anything. It was just like a cardboard box, and it had some pasta pasta in the box which was for one serving and then like this aluminium foil <laughs> packet with like what felt like plasticine inside <laughs> so i poured the pasta in to the water after the water had boiled and this isn't i've never seen this before uh with any pasta that i've ever made and i i do like to make myself pasta when i poured it in it like fizzed like really? it was like carbonated. It's very weird. That is weird. And I was like, it's like okay, carry on. So then uh, I let it, I let it go for it's for about eight to ten minutes. So I left it for about then, and then I tasted it to see that the uh, see it was soft enough, and it was. Now, this was also very weird. To, it's very weird to me that I wasn't meant to heat this cheese. <laughs> that didn't even occur to me, but you're right. Like oh, I was delightful. very, I was like, I don't understand, like. Because as well, like if also if I think of it as like cheese, if I want to make a cheese sauce out of cheese, there's like there's no way that um it would have worked. Like so, it, if I was making pasta with cheese and I wanted to get the same sort of consistency, I would have to melt the cheese, right? Right, right. But I with this, it's like it doesn't need to be melted because it's not it's not solid. 
Right. It, I didn't realize that until I got it out of the package, really, I suppose, even though I could feel it. But it was just confusing to me when I was reading <laughs> the instructions. So you, you boil it. You, you you strain the water away, and it's like very specific. It's like, do not rinse it. I was like, okay, box. So I put I take the <laughs> I put the pasta into a colander. I drained it out, poured it back into the saucepan. Then I opened the package and I oh, I squeezed this <laughs> stuff into the saucepan. Oh, I didn't enjoy that bit, Casey. Why? What's wrong with it? It was horrible. What was wrong with it? It's like this weird... It's goop. Goop. It's yeah, cheese it goop. Was... I was not a big fan of that part. And, and <laughs> so then, as well, I'm stirring... I'm like, there's a lot here, as well. I was thinking. It looked like a lot. So I called up to my brother and asked him if he wanted any. And he came down and decided he didn't. <laughs> uh, did so you did you explain up. to him that your crazy American friend sent this to you and you have yeah. to try it? Because he's like, "What is that?" And, and so I explained it, and it was like, oh, "Okay." Um. So then I kind of stirred for a while, stirring, 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 until I felt like I had a good covering. And I poured it into a bowl, and it actually, when I poured it into like a serving bowl, it wasn't. It was like a kind of a maybe just maybe one and a half kind of what I would have of a serving of pasta. Because I, I do eat pasta with just cheese on it sometimes. It's like mm. a nice comfort food. Mm-hmm. So I came upstairs and I sat down and uh, I was, I didn't know what to think about this. It didn't <laughs> look, I'm not going to lie, mate. It didn't look very appetizing. It's just macaroni and cheese. Oh. Yeah, but it's it's not though. It's not how like I'm used to it anyway. But okay. It, okay. the color of it was weird. Okay. So then I tried it. And I was like, okay, the consistency is very different. It's kind of like melted butter. Okay, I can it, I can understand that. And it was it was fine. I'll accept fine. I was hoping it for was good, fine. but I'll accept fine. I ate it all. Oh, that's good. Um, so I uh, said, so I would. If you said to me, "Will you eat this again?" Would you eat it again, Mike? Not necessarily by choice. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I mean, if there was, like, things that oh, I could, could choose from, this uh-huh. maybe wouldn't be the number one choice. But I, I, it wouldn't bother me if it was the choice, if uh-huh. that made sense. Uh-huh. Like, if somebody served that to me, or if I was somewhere and I didn't know what to buy and I saw that they had it, then I would maybe go for it. Because it was, it was fine, but... It wasn't really a lot less work than me just grating some cheddar and putting cheddar onto the top of some pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the payoff wasn't wasn't greater. It, it's a bit sickly. I think maybe you're not supposed to just eat a bowl of it. Why? I don't know. I feel like it's meant to be like as a side dish eh, well. that you eat with other things, like they show on the serving suggestion. And that very well could be. Um, so. You have to understand that, and I think we did talk about this la- the episode in which we went over Velveeta originally. Um, shells and cheese were like a special treat when I was growing up because it's not particularly healthy. And um, and so every great once in a while, my mom would make us Velveeta shells and cheese for dinner. And it was awesome because it was a special treat. I still, to this day, think it's delicious. Now I'm debating whether or not I should eat it tonight. Um and so it, it, so much of my love for shells and cheese, I mean, I do genuinely think it's delicious, but beyond that, it has so much nostalgia associated with it and so much, you know, so many associated memories that I'm predisposed to love it. Um, I, I kind of actually, in retrospect, regret that your first consumption, you didn't, you weren't just handed the finished product. I kind of wonder if I, if let's say you were at my house and I just served it to you and you didn't see the construction of it if maybe it would have gone a little bit better, but I feel like you had visions of the cheese coming out of the aluminum wrapping that kind of turns you off to the whole experience. Yeah, because it tasted nicer than I expected, but having gone through the experience of it, it wasn't very nice. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like the experience of it wasn't great having seen all of that, uh, but the, the taste of it was better than I expected, you know? That's fair. Um, but yeah, I was not a fan of um, the uh, the squeezing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, 
Mike, I'm glad you tried it. I really am. How do you feel? I'm slightly disappointed, if I'm honest, but I'm not surprised. Well, what did you want? Like, did you want me to say that I really, really loved it? Only if that were true. Like, I mean, right. it, I, I wouldn't have wanted you to have lied about it. I had expected you to have approximately this reaction. Like, I didn't know specifically how it would, um, how it would end up, but I assumed that it would, that you would be like, eh, it's all right. And I feel like that's basically what you've said is, eh, it's all right. Um, and, and I'm okay with that because especially trying as best I can to remove a lot of the context, like American context about this. Cause you know, we're all fat here and we all love cheese and we love macaroni and cheese. And so I think in a lot of ways, Americans are predisposed to like this sort of thing anyway. Plus most of us have grown up with Velveeta as a part of our lives in general. And I can absolutely understand that if you're not someone who's grown up with Velveeta, that that would be kind of stomach turning if you're not used to it. Um, and so taking taking as much American context out of me as I can, I, I think I would have had a similar reaction if I were in your shoes. That it was it was tasty-ish, or maybe even tasty in general, but the construction of it was really gross. I mean, I can understand that. Personally, I'm genuinely thinking about having, having it for dinner tonight because I think it's that delicious. And, and I don't know, I don't mind the, the oozing cheese of that. That's, that's oozy at room temperature, but... But yeah, I, I'm glad you tried it. I appreciate you trying it. I, I'm glad you didn't just look at it and say, Ugh. Um, and now I'm just debating what other thing I should troll you with and make you eat. This could be a new segment for the show. <laughs> so our good friend Matt Alexander has found his way into the, into the show. <laughs> As he is off to do. Uh, and he's coming, Sketches and Velveeta, the Casey List story. Indeed. I was actually very happy that he only mildly eviscerated me on Bonanza. I was expecting to be to end up in a ball of tears or in a puddle of tears after having listened to Bonanza. But it ended up that you guys were pretty gentle and I was happy about that. We love you. That's why. Something like that. Thank you for buying for, for trying to indoctrinate me into your culture a little bit more. I appreciate that. God help us if we ever have some time that you're in the States, that I'm in the, that I'm near you and we're not at like a conference or something like that. Like if you ever come and visit us in Richmond, I will take you to all the like classic American places, some of which will be chains, some of which won't. And, and basically, basically you're going to need two airplane seats to fly home because you will be twice as big as when you arrive. It's the only way to roll. <laughs> All right. Should we, should we send this one home? I think so. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash analog slash 29. Nine. Yeah, nine. <laughs> relay.fm slash analog slash 29. I want to thank again our sponsors for this week, Squarespace, Chipolo, and Linda. Um, if you want to find us online, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to caseylist.com or find Casey at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's where you'll find Casey List. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Analog is a production of the lovely Relay FM. You can find more shows at relay.fm. I think you'll enjoy many. You should go and peruse uh, the catalog and find some things that tickle your fancy. Um, we'll be back next week. Thank you, Casey, for joining me as always. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Casey Liss. I will, but can you tell me where we can find your Inquisitive program if we're interested in listening to that? Relay.fm slash Inquisitive. Excellent. I'll see you later, Mike. <laughs>